day we got together and we called it Palm Saturday, which isn't really biblical, but that's what we did. Maybe, I can't remember how the calendar works there. On Palm Sunday, growing up in my church, uh, the weekend before in Sunday school, all the, all the kids in Sunday school class, we'd always uh, make palm branches out of construction paper, all different colors, and we'd put our names on there, and we'd write things on there. And then Palm Sunday at church, they'd start out, all the kids, we'd get to march down the aisle, and we'd, we'd wave our, our construction paper things in the air, and, um, and then we'd go sit down and um, color, or whatever we did during the service. Um, it was always a day of, of, of hosannas, lots of fanfare with the songs, celebration, reflecting what happens as Jesus um, rides into Jerusalem. Every, all the hymns would celebrate him, and um, it was kind of a, a really up Sunday um, for us. But the Palm Sunday story is actually um, comprised of three stories, and not all three stories are stories that are full of hosannas. They have other things as well. And so today we're going to do something a little different. We're going to actually, um, I'm just going to take just a couple minutes here, and we're going to walk, I just want to walk you through the Palm Sunday story, because there's three parts to it. And those three parts will give us an outline for what we're going to do this morning with our time as we move through a, uh, a little different kind of a liturgy um, together. So the, the story is found everywhere, but it's in, I'm going to use Luke 19, and just want to read it for you, just to be familiar verses. Um, but it says, as Jesus was drawing near, he was already on the way down to the Mount of Olives, and the whole multitude of the disciples were rejoicing and praising God with a loud voice for all of the mighty works that they had seen. They had just seen Lazarus raised from the dead, and many of the people were gathered because of that. And they were saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. When you hear that word, you should be thinking nativity story. It just sounds just like the angels shouting out and announcing the coming king, and that's what's happening here. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. But Jesus said, I tell you, if, if these people were silent, even the very stones that were sitting on the ground would begin to cry out the praises of God. That's our traditional Palm Sunday passage. And it's a significant one. As Jesus rides into Jerusalem, it's actually the last time that he actually gives the, the nation of Israel a chance to receive him as the, the coming Messiah. They don't, ultimately. They say the right words here, but it doesn't happen. And it is. It's full of rejoicing um, that the king has come. Um, all the fulfillment of prophecies is shown one more time that here he comes. He is right here, right now. And so Palm Sunday is a day, um, is a cause for what we're going to call this morning trumpets. It's our trumpet celebration. We're actually going to do it third this morning, not first, but it's, it's part of the story. There's trumpets. Trumpets uh, herald good news, and they celebrate, and they're fanfare. We'll do that. But the story goes on. That's not the end of the Palm Sunday story. It says, when Jesus drew near and he saw the city, he began to weep over it. He said, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come on you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you. They will surround you. They'll hem you in on every side, and they'll tear you down to the ground, you and your children with you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know 
the time of your visitation. What a shift, isn't it? The stones that we're going to cry out, Jesus says, they're all going to be laid bare. Um, the people were going to be, um, many were going to be killed. This is, this is just 40 years down the road. And, and Rome is going to march around Jerusalem, and they're going to crush it. They're going to tear it down. The temple that they were all shouting about is going to be just laid flat. And you know what Jesus' response is? He looks at the suffering of the people, people that weren't really paying attention to him, by the way. His response is he weeps. He weeps. And so we have a bowl up here of, uh, it's not tears, um, but water to represent that, that this day is also a cause for tears. And Jesus weeps in the midst of it, and we will begin there this morning. But then the story goes on one more step. It goes on, it says, Jesus entered the temple at that time, and he began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it into a den of robbers. The third thing that happens here is Jesus enters the temple amongst the people that should know better, and he addresses sin. Because their sin and their hardness of heart and their, 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 their making of their God in their own image had driven out the purposes of the temple. And Jesus goes in and he judges the sin and he calls them to repentance. Fortunately, they don't receive it. They, they go out to plot to kill him. And so the, the last part of our liturgy here, I have a little bowl of ashes and so we come bearing ashes as well, ashes of repentance. So this morning, in light of this, in this coming week, as we look ahead to Good Friday, we look ahead to prepare for Resurrection Sunday, and we think of that week that Jesus walked, we want to walk through what will be a threefold liturgy this morning. We're going to walk through um, the bowl of tears, there's a bowl of ashes, and there's the trumpets of joy that we get to bring before God. We're going to begin this morning as we always do. We remember that God invites us here. And the very first thing we pay attention is to the majesty and the glory and the greatness of God. And we cry out holy to him. So we're going to do that this morning. And then, um, and he's the one who invites us. And then through, um, and I'm going to be fairly tied to my notes this morning. I want to speak clearly about the things he's calling us to. But we're going to, through some um, open prayers, we'll read some prayers together, some scripture reading. Um, just some reflections that I have in my own heart about each of these three areas and gathering around communion. We're going to try this morning to embrace God's heart um, through tears and through ashes and through trumpets, um, all represented by the table, by the way, and they're represented here um, behind me. So let me pray. Um, actually, I know I'm going to do I'm gonna, We're just going to start with the scripture. If you would stand as we read the scriptures, as we come to, to just give start out with a holy God who has invited us here and welcomed us here into his presence. I'm going to read from Psalm 145. Listen to uh, these words from God's word. I will extol you, my God and King. I'll bless your name forever and ever. Every day I'll bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord. He's greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation will commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on all of your wondrous works, I will meditate. Every one of them speaks of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare how great you are. 
and they shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious, he's merciful, he's slow to anger, he is always abounding in steadfast love. He's good to everyone, and his mercy over, is over all that he has made. Every one of your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom. They will tell of your power to make known to the children of man all of your mighty deeds and the absolute glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom, O Lord, is an everlasting one. Your dominion goes through every generation. The Lord upholds all who are falling, and he raises up those, those who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and give them their food in due season. We, you open your hand, and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways. He's kind in every one of his works. The Lord is near to every one of us who call on him to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He hears their cry and he saves them. He preserves all who love him, but the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. So let all of flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Do this responsive reading with me. I'll begin us. Glory be to you, O Lord, our Creator. Glory be to you, O Jesus, our Redeemer. Glory be to you, O Holy Spirit, our Sanctifier, Guide, and Comforter. All love, all glory be to the High and Blessed Trinity. Whose deeds are inseparable and whose worldwide rule is forever. To you and to you alone and to your Son. Spirit, be glory forever and ever. Amen.
Together, God in three persons. God in three persons. Blessed I'm going to read out of Psalm 22. Um, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, and you our fathers trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. You may be seated. I think um, every one of us at some time 
maybe often, uh, maybe in, in this, even this morning, as Brian was telling me that there was some churches that were bombed. We sometimes look at the world or we read the headlines. Uh, we hear of another disaster, another loss of life. And we might say the same thing as the psalmist who says, be not far from me for trouble is all around. And then as you wonder, when, when will God put it right? You might cry out like him as well and say, how long, O oh Lord, how long? I believe that those thoughts are the heart of God as well. And it's reflected often in the word. We see it in the groaning of the Israelites in Egypt when they're, they're under this heavy burden and they're crying out and Moses speaks on their behalf and God says, I hear their groanings. He felt them. In the time of the judges, even though it was from the people's own sin, when they cried out, God felt their need. And he looked on his people who were suffering and he responded. I think we see God's heart in Nehemiah, who when he heard of his, uh, from far away in Babylon, he hears that the land of his homeland is laid waste. And the walls are down, the temple's in ruins, and he weeps. And I believe he reflected God's heart. Jesus, as we saw in Matthew, we looked at the passage when he looks at the multitude, and he says that he had compassion for them because they're harassed and they're distressed and they're like aimless sheep. And his heart broke over the suffering that they were undergoing. In the passage this morning, as Jesus rides into Jerusalem, knowing that these people are going to be decimated and the, his, his nation is going to suffer. The temple and the city crushed. Um, his response is the response to the heart of God. He, he weeps. I don't know if we think often about God weeping. The Psalms are full of laments over suffering. And I believe it's because that reflects the heart of God. God does not turn a cold heart to oppression or loss of life or fleeing refugees or abused children or poverty or hunger or martyred believers or divided homes. Rather, I, I believe that God suffers during that time and God weeps. In Isaiah 63, speaking of Israel and of God, it says this, in all their affliction, talking about Israel, it says, he, God himself, was afflicted. He felt the full weight of it. Over our suffering in the world, I believe God suffers. Over our mourning, I believe God mourns. And over our tears, I believe God weeps. Nicholas uh, Wolsterstorff says this, The suffering of the world is also an epiphany or manifestation of God. Sometimes the anger of God and sometimes of the gift of God but always, I would suggest, of the suffering of God. The God who has covenanted himself to humanity suffers over their suffering, our suffering. To this epiphany, how else can we respond then but with lament and with intercession and with tears and with crying out, how long, O Lord, how long? What I believe uh, he is suggesting is that when we lament 
we have this bowl of tears. When we shed tears over the suffering outside in this world, when we shed tears over what sin has done to all the created order, its institutions, its systems, and its people, that we actually share in something of the character and nature of God and his suffering. We encounter in our tears the manifestation of the heart of God, and we know and experience him in a, in a way that perhaps is essential to actually be able to worship him. Lament is not, does not, um, it's becoming more real to me. I grew up in, in a, um, an alcoholic home, and uh, I took on the role of making sure everything always was happy. And so I, I am very good at ignoring pain, um, whether my own or the world's. I can touch on it and step back from it. God is not like that. Um, he steps right into the middle of it and, ex and knows the suffering, and I believe that God suffers in the midst of the suffering. Michael Card in his book, A Sacred Sorrow, says this, a couple things. It says that Jesus understood that lament was the only true response of faith to the brokenness and fallenness of the world. It provides the only trustworthy bridge to God across a deep, seismic quaking that takes place in our lives. It says this, there's no worship without wilderness. He uses the, the image of the wilderness as the place where we suffer where the world is suffering. We look out at this wasteland of, of hurting and suffering. And he says there's no worship without wilderness. There could be no worshipful joy of salvation until we have realized the lamentable wilderness of what we are saved from and what continues in our world today. Until we begin to understand just what it cost Jesus to come and find us and be that perfect provision for us in the wilderness. It says this, depending on which commentary you pick up, you'll read that from one-third over one-half of the psalms are laments. With the exception of one psalm, number 88, each lament eventually turns to praise, which reveals an important truth that has been lost, that lament is one of the most direct paths to true praise, a path that we've often lost. In fact, lament is not a path to worship, he says, but he says it's the path of worship. Um, he, would, he would take the view that there is actually no worship unless there's some lament because we miss a part of God's own heart by not going there. That's hard, isn't it? It's hard to enter and sit in suffering. Um, for some of us, it just comes upon us. It's, it's in the midst of our own lives. Uh, for some, it seems far away, but we're called to sit in it. I was uh, sitting with Janice um, Friday, after, Friday afternoon, we're working on the Good Friday service, and my sister called me, and I said I would call her back, and I told Janice that I'm not sure I'm feeling very good about this phone call. Um, I've been meaning to speak to my sister just about our life together and, and some, some distance between us that I've regretted and grieved over, and um, I've been trying to get a hold of her. Um, and then uh, I have some, there's some issues with a brother that have been going on for a long time, and so I called her back. And um, we had this wonderful, probably the best conversation I've ever had with her, full of some joy and tears. Um, but in the process of that, I, I had some news concerning her and I had some news concerning my brother that um, bear just horrible suffering, just deep suffering. And I, I'm not even sure I can hold up to. Um, we sit in it. And when, we, when the suffering comes, whether it's close to home or far away, 
God sits in that place with us. And I believe that God weeps and God suffers as he looks forward to the day when he will end it, good news. But right now, it's still here. And so we come bearing a bowl of tears as part of our worship because God um, weeps over the suffering that is a reality at the moment. And God weeps as us as well. So we come today in God's presence, bearing the tears um, of suffering. I invite you to just close your eyes for a moment. Um, I know this is hard place to go. Um, our worship leaders have talked about trying to participate in some lament for a while, and we haven't really done it. And I think it's because I didn't want to go there, so it just didn't make. I decided we're not doing that. Um, but it's part of our worship, and it's part of reflecting the very heart of the Savior that went to the cross for us. So I'm going to ask you to just sit in silence for a moment. Perhaps um, let the lament over the suffering of the world, it's okay to sit in that with God. And it may be something close to home for you. It may just be the things that you're hearing and reading that weigh on you. And just take a moment, and then I'm actually going to read a prayer of lament, and you can just be praying in your hearts with me as I read it. Lord, give us your eyes and heart as we look at the world so that we might share in your tears. We long as a community to see your kingdom here in all its fullness, and we lament all the signs that although the kingdom is already here, it's not yet. We lament this morning the brokenness in our city, in our nation, in the world. We lament the division in homes between parents and children. We lament the divorce and the breakdown of so many homes. We grieve over the abuse and the exploitation of so many men, women, and children who have been created in your image. We sorrow over oppression, racism, and injustice. We lament that people are dying of hunger each day. We lament over the lives of unborn children that are still being taken. We sorrow over the unending warfare in our world and its devastating impact. We lament that Christians even today are being persecuted and martyred for their faith in you. We grieve too over our own timidity to act our own failure to be moved to tears. So Lord, today we would cry out like the words of the Christmas hymn, O come, O King of nations, come, binding one the hearts of all mankind. Bid all our sad divisions cease and be yourself our King of peace. 
O come, O bright and morning star, bring us comfort from afar. Dispel the shadows of the night and turn our darkness into light. Amen.
Psalm 130, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. So hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. As we start over the the brokenness and the impact of sin in our world, the Spirit always turns it here as well. To our own sin, to our own waywardness, that we uh, as a people here this morning that that know what living water tastes like, we recognize that we often go to those cracked cisterns to find something to drink, even though there's nothing to be offered there. Before triumph and celebration and loud hosannas and trumpets, there is first a call to repentance. As believers, we already have our sin covered, but still we have to stop and confess that what we've grabbed onto doesn't have life anymore. We know that. And to turn in repentance and go back another way. To agree with God that we are prone to wander. Psalm 139 has a prayer for God to search our hearts for a reason. To dig up the stuff that's still there, Lord. Show it to me so I can walk away from it. Hebrews 4.12 is an invitation to let the word of God and the word made flesh pierce our souls in order to show us what is not of the Lord that we have allowed to take up a home here. 1 Peter 2 calls us to identify and actually reject all those passions inside which are waging war against our own souls. 1 Timothy 1, he says, The goal of our instruction is love, 
but love flows out of a, a pure heart and a clean conscience and a sincere faith. And so God wants to show us where that's not the case and call us to something better. When Isaiah in Isaiah 6 has a vision of the throne and he sees God in his holiness and his greatness, the first thing he sees in the midst of that is his own sin. And he cries out. And when God steps in and applies forgiveness there, he gets a renewed passion then to blow the trumpets and to be praising and to take out God's word to the world. But it had to deal with here first. We are called here this morning to bear the tears of suffering along with God for the world. But we also need to come today bearing the ashes of repentance in our own hearts, turning from sin and turning once again over and over to the Lord. We are his image bearers. And not only that, but we're redeemed image bearers. May to reflect him, and yet too often, our lives and our week reflect the old self. The old self that has been crucified and been put away. It's reflected by in our words. The ones we say, the way we say them, our attitudes, our complacency, our jealousy, unforgiveness, self-reliance, lack of self-control. By the way, I pick a list because certain things come to mind real quick for me. It's easy to make a list. Jesus was on the cross because of a world in sin, but he was also there to bear my sin and the sin that I still too often embrace. Psalm 51 says, The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. And so the Lord, who has already cast for us as believers all of our sins into the deepest sea, never to be seen again, yet he calls us to cast them off as well and to bear as this bowl of ashes, this ashes of repentance. Please stand with me. We're going to do a corporate confession together, and then um, Pastor Mike is going to read some words of encouragement to us as we say those. Wait for a moment in silence and just bring your own hearts before the Lord, and he's, he's already there. We already have his forgiveness. He just wants us to agree that we often walk in paths that don't have life anymore. And he offers us something better. So take a moment to sit on that. And then on the screen, we're going to read this prayer of confession together. Let's confess together with these words. Almighty and gracious God, we have often erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have raised up idols in your place. We have sought to quench our thirst in places that do not satisfy. We have left undone things which ought to have done. We have done those things which we ought not to have done. We have wasted our gifts. We have forgotten your great love. In your mercy, turn us back to the only source of life. 
realign our feet once again on the paths of righteousness so we may live a holy, just, and humble life to the glory of your holy name. Amen. This is from Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. You may be seated. The work and the wonder of the cross is that all of our sins for all time, once and for all, have already been forgiven. When we're looking to things that don't bring life, we just need to turn back to the one that's already redeemed us and holds us to where life is found again. We're clothed in his righteousness. We are his sons and daughters. The table that we have each week here in the middle and the back that we, we gather around as a community every single week um, remind us that God sorrows with tears over the pain in the world. The table here in front of us reminds us that in him, those who have trusted have had our ashes turned to beauty. And as a song that we often sing, uh, we get to wear forgiveness like a crown. And so as we sing a few songs right now, um, our host, who is Jesus himself, who has set the table and he invites all those who know him, he says, come. He says, gather around together. For there's good things here, that a reminder of the good things he's given to us. The Lord himself invites us to gather around uh, the bread and the cup. Let me pray for these. And then as we sing, I invite you, if you know the Lord, to come and, and celebrate and give thanks to him as we take the bread and the cup. Lord, thank you for these Simple, constant, weekly reminders that you have redeemed us, that you have, you have not departed this place and are far away from us, but you came here and you walked and you sorrowed and you gave yourself for us and, and you redeemed us from the pit, have clothed us in your righteousness. And as we gather and take the bread and the cup, remembering what you did for us, we give thanks we give thanks, and we celebrate your wonder. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, love, it will not let me go. I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee. Back the life I owe, that in thy ocean's depths its flow may richer, fuller be. My life is not my own, it's yours. My life 
is not my own, it's yours. Oh, joy that seeks me through the pain, I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain and feel your promise not in vain that morn shall tearless be so anoint me with joy and joyful I will be so anoint me with joy and joyful I will be Oh, light that follows all the way. I yield my flickering torch to thee. My heart restores its borrowed ray that in thy sunshine's blaze its day may brighter, fairer be. So light a fire in my heart. I'll burn for you. So light a fire in my heart, and I'll burn for you. Oh, cross, it's lifting up my head. I dare not ask to fly from thee. I lay dust life's glory dead and from the crown that blossoms red life that shall endless be we will sing holy holy is the king of kings we will sing holy holy is the king of will sing holy holy is the king of kings we will sing holy holy is the king of kings Without you, we fall apart. You're the one who guides our hearts. Lord, we need you.
when sin runs deep your grace is small where grace is found is where you are where you are Lord we are free holiness is Christ in me where you Lord, we are free. Holiness is Christ in me. Our song to rise to you when temptation comes our way. When we cannot stand, we'll fall on you. Jesus, you're our hope and stay. When we cannot stand, when we cannot stand, we'll fall on you. Jesus, you're our hope. And stay. Lord, we need you. Oh, we need you. Every hour we need you. How one defense, how righteousness. Oh, God, how we need you. Sing that again, Lord. Stand up together, if we would, please. God is the theme of my song, the joy of my heart and the boast of my tongue. 
Thy free grace alone from the first to the last hath won my affection and bound my soul fast. Without thy sweet mercy, I could not live here. My sin would reduce me to utter despair. But through thy free goodness, my spirit's revived. And he that first made me still keeps me alive. is more than a match for my heart which wonders to feel its own hardness depart dissolved by thy goodness I fall to the ground and weep for the praise of this mercy I found covenant love of thy crucified son all praise to the spirit whose whispers divine seals mercy and pardon and righteousness mine all praise to the spirit whose whisper divine seals mercy and pardon and righteousness mine scripture reading on trumpets, I think it would be appropriate for us to pray and to give thanks for what we have. So if a few people are just nice and loud so we can all join with you, if you would just offer up uh, some prayers of thanksgiving for what God has done for us.
Thank you. We thank thank you for your your joy. We thank you for your passion, and we thank you for finishing and completing the mission that the Father sent you here for. Remain standing as we hear God's word. Psalm 118, 19 through 29. Open to me the gates of righteousness, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I give thanks to you. You are my God. I extol you. O oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let's, uh, let's sing our song. Thanks the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His faithful love is always with us. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His faithful love is always with us. His faithful love is always with us. Again, give thanks to the Lord for He is good. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His faithful love is always with us. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His faithful love is always with us. His faithful love is always with us. This is the day you have made. We rejoice, we rejoice. This is the day you have made. We rejoice, we rejoice. In places where life just comes apart. Faithful love is always with us. In corners of doubt and a fearful heart, His faithful love is always with us. 
So we have a bowl of tears, we have a bowl of ashes, but that's not all. We also have trumpets. I, uh, I, called, I got a hold of um, Roy, um, Roy this weekend, this week, and I said, Roy, you're the brass instrument guy. I need a bugle or a trumpet. And uh, he said, I got something better. I have a, I have a shofar, a biblical instrument. So the biblical trumpet, I'm not going to blow it. Uh, interesting enough. <laughs> I played clarinet. It was horrible, so don't. <laughs> Interesting enough, um, the shofar was first used to call people together for repentance, and then it called them together to, to celebrate. And so we have a trumpet, and we think of trumpets as, as something that makes up a fanfare that, that raises it up and says, pay attention. This is awesome. And that's what we do when we praise God. Our greatest call, I believe, is to worship. We who are rebels were made into worshipers. We actually worship, I believe, when we weep in the midst of the suffering in the world. And when we repent. And yes, praise God, it's also when we raise up the trumpets of joy and thanksgiving. So we come blowing trumpets and shouting hosannas, but we don't do it just at the end of the story, but we do it all during the story as well. While there's bowls of tears and there's bowls of ashes, we play, we play the trumpets as well. As a matter of fact, I believe that truly joyful music, praise and celebration arise from and in the midst of tears and ashes. And without these, perhaps our praise is actually kind of trivial and empty. Many of, uh, many of you know that in the midst of the hardest things, 
the worship and praise has been the richest because we're forced to really come to places where we put God at the center and trust him, and then we're able to really worship him. Not for necessarily all the things that we get, but just because God is great and he sits with us in those places. As Jerry shared a number of weeks back, choosing gratitude is a spiritual discipline that glorifies God no matter what is taking place. I love the way Psalm 126 puts it, which is my psalm for this year. It says that the one who is sowing in tears, and the, the word there is the one who keeps sowing in tears. We don't just sow in tears once. We keep sowing in tears until the day we see him again. Shall be reaping with shouts of joy. The one who keeps going out, by the way, again and again, weeping and bearing the seed for sowing, will keep coming home, it says, with shouts of joy, bearing the sheaves of the harvest with him. Psalm 33 says, Shout for joy in the Lord, all you are righteous. Praise befits the upright. First Chronicles 13 says that, it says David celebrated with all his might. I'm not sure what that looks like, but with everything he had, it says, with songs and harps and with trumpets, it says. As a matter of fact, usually in the Psalms, and it says they used harps and trumpets and cymbals. It says it once, and it says, by the way, they were loud. They didn't hold back when they blew them. They all declare praise. Trumpets call us to assemble to worship, and they herald the arrival and the presence of the Creator in our midst. We can be in sorrow over the world, and yet when we stand outside, and I do this every single night at least once, I walk outside our driveway, stand on the sidewalk, and I look up. And when you look at the stars, no matter how much sorrow is here, there is worship as well. Because God sits there, and he's the Creator, and you can't help but worship him. The heavens declare and keep declaring the glory of God. When Jesus rode in on a donkey, he said, as he said, if the people don't cry out, Hosanna, everything I made, even the dead stones, will begin to rumble and shout. God still rules today. He's carrying out his will. He's not asleep. He's not turned a blind eye. The evidences of his presence and work are all around for those who would have eyes to see him. And we don't have to understand all of his ways. We don't have to know when the end will come, when he'll put it right. And we don't even have to put away our tears in the midst of suffering to be people that are marked by praise and people that glorify God. So we come also caring and sounding the trumpets of praise to God. Lord, I just want to give you thanks. Let's stand up as, we, as I pray, and then we're going to sing a closing song and a benediction. But Lord, I thank you that um, it is such a mixture for us, and yet it's one that identifies your heart. This mixture of suffering and tears and repentance, and yet shouts of joy because you are good. And we don't sit here alone your presence is in us, in amidst us. And so we sound the trumpets of joy as well, Lord, because you deserve them. We want to raise you up, and we want to say to God, be the glory in all things. Let's sing that out. To you be the glory, 
forever to you be the glory lord amen to you be the glory forever to you be the glory lord sing that again to you be the glory forever to you be the glory lord amen to you be the glory forever to you be the glory lord amen who could hold the wealth of god such treasure found in who could comprehend his heart and mind his wisdom has no end from him through him to him are all things from him through him to him are all things to you be the glory forever to you be the glory lord amen to you be the glory forever to you be the glory lord amen who has known the mind of god who has counseled him who has given gifts to god that he might be week we don't leave but we're sent out and as, as I consider our call to go in the world it strikes me that the best representation to the world that we can make of God is not just to go out with trumpets 
but we go out with sorrowing over the world, we go out with, tear, with ashes of repentance, and we go out with trumpets of joy. When we present all those, we actually offer something to the world that they need and that they're ready to hear and to receive. We best represent the heart of God to the world because he sorrows over the world. He confronts and sin, can forgives sin with grace and mercy, and he alone is worthy of praise. And that's the God that we're sent to reflect. For our benediction this morning, let's, let's read it together. Here we go. May the grace of Christ, which daily renews us, and the love of God, which enables us to love one another, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, which unites us as one body, make us eager to obey the will of God until we meet again through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.